Hey Siri, read my last message. Amber said, "Super duper hooray, widow yay." Hi everyone. Hello. Welcome to. Is this our eighth episode? Yes, our eighth holiday special episode. Yes, because Paul finally understands what date we're recording now, and that by the time you guys listen, it's going to be a couple days before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, so what's going on with you, Paul? Uh, well, I've been trying to get into the groove of running again, and I've been running on the treadmill a lot, and I realized not too long ago that um, when I run on the treadmill, there it's a huge discrepancy between what my um, my tracker running tracker reports as like the mileage and what the treadmill reports. And I didn't realize that at the end of the run, when you actually finish everything, the watch will ask you like the actual distance that was on the treadmill so that it could calibrate itself. And I didn't realize that for a while. So I've been throwing away like a bunch of runs. (laughs) So that's just a ton of data that I just threw away. And it's like those runs never happen now. It is. It's kind of exactly like, uh, what is it? If a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to hear it, did it really fall? I mean, obviously those runs never, ever happened if there's no proof for it. But I totally get what you mean. I would be upset too. I would be like, but all that data, I I wanted to look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really nice feature. I wish I had learned about it a few runs ago before I had thrown all those away. Cause I was like, these are like, it was saying that I was running at like an eight minute pace when I was running at a nine minute pace. So it was like way off. So yeah. I was like, this is garbage. I don't want it to affect like my metrics. So I just threw them away. Well, now you know better. Yeah. And hey, you're pretty early into your half marathon training. So you're fine. Yay. Yay. Amber's expert opinion. What's going on with you, Amber? Um, So I came back from Vegas on Monday. And now I'm glad I can say I've seen Vegas. But I have no desire to go back. Um, It's so time intensive to go anywhere because you leave your hotel room and then you're walking for like 15 minutes through the hotel just to get out because they're all like a mall. They're full of like shops and restaurants and like the decorations inside are really cool. But it's like I love the weather in the American Southwest and it's like you couldn't really enjoy it in Vegas because you're just designed or the city's designed for you to sit inside and gamble and drink the day away. But Boulder City, Nevada was really cool. The race was beautiful. I got to see views of Lake Mead and the mountains the whole time. I ended up winning, which was really exciting. And it was like perfect weather. My mom was there um, because she went out early with me uh, to Vegas. So like she was there for like moral support, kind of just to like see things. So I'm glad it was nice weather for her too to spectate. So it was like all around really nice. But Vegas itself, I was like, meh. Also, oh my gosh, we saw Cirque du Soleil and it was fantastically amazing. I knew it would be, but it was just, oh my God. The whole time I was sitting there, I kept saying, oh my God, whoa. Like every other word out of my mouth. And I like couldn't stop. I couldn't stop myself because these stunts these people were doing were just so amazing. So. That sounds like a really nice vacation. And it was. regarding Cirque du Soleil, I've always liked the concept of Cirque du Soleil, like from the start, because they were like, you know, when they first came about, they were like, you know, we're a circus and we don't use animals. We're just 
you know, human acrobats. So, like, hey, that was nice. Like, because I really hated, like, you know, I don't know, even from, like, a young age, I hated going to the zoo and going to, like, circuses because I just didn't like seeing those animals, like, there. Yeah. Yeah, I like their concept as well. So, yeah. All right, so I want to start off our episode but with a follow-up on something that I talked about last week, which was the $50,000 Apple computer. So it kind of sounded like I was slamming Apple for uh, coming out with this ridiculously expensive computer, but I was actually, I actually meant to like kind of question that price point because it's kind of in the middle um, of like, there's like your pro-grade computers um, that are kind of lower tier and those are like, you know, from like a few thousand dollars to maybe like, I don't know, maybe a little over 10,000. And then there's like your supercomputers that can range from like in the six figure range all the way up to like 10, $20 million. And then there's this $50,000 computer that kind of sits in the middle. And I feel like it's for a super niche market. And I can only imagine like, you know, maybe like some medium to large film studios or film or um, design studios using it. Or yeah, I don't like, I don't know. It just feels like it's a super niche market, but Apple spent all of this, you know, R and D to make that computer and make it like, like have people spec it out to that amount. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who's purchasing it? Who yeah. I was just really to? questioning like the market. Yeah. Who the customer is. Let us know if you guys know the market. Yeah. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. All right. So the next one. So I know that when I first started off this podcast, I really wanted it to be non-political, but there has been some news coming out of Congress, which is pretty unavoidable and it's pretty significant. Now, I don't know if you guys have been listening to the news or watching the news, but there was a recent decision out of Congress to raise the legal smoking age to 21. I heard and I about that. I think that's a really good thing to do. And I also heard that, surprisingly, Trump was also in support of this. And I was thinking, hmm, maybe the tobacco companies didn't really sit with him right. Maybe they didn't give him enough money. Maybe they beat him at golf. So, So, I have two thoughts on this. One being, like, I see where they're coming from. But, you know, our alcoholic or alcohol legal drinking age is 21 in the US, but you look abroad and it's like 18 in Europe. And as a result, I think there's a lot less binge drinking in Europe. And I think in Europe, like children, kids grow up with like a different relationship with alcohol. They might be served alcohol at like a dinner table with their parents. But again, if the drinking age is 18, they're not like binge drinking all through college like a lot of American students are because it's not really this forbidden thing until they're 21. It's like they can access it when they're 18. They might still make stupid decisions, but I think they kind of get the stupid decisions out of the way earlier than American students. So I kind of feel like by them bumping up the tobacco age to 21, like, is that really going to solve any problems or is it, you know, like, 
I don't know. I feel like it's not going to prevent young kids from like picking up smoking. They're still going to like find a way to get it when they're 18 or 19 or 20. Um, And then another thing was when I was listening to the Freakonomics episode about vaping, they talked about how um, the UK kind of looked at vaping as a smoking cessation tool, whereas the US was just like, vaping is its own thing. It's a drug delivery method. And like, as a result, it wasn't regulated at all. Um, Oh, where was I going with this? But like, there was something good. Oh, so the UK put a limit on the amount of tobacco that could be in a vaping device. And it's like, why can't something like that be regulated? And I'm not trying to talk about vaping, but why can't cigarettes be regulated more in that manner if there's a way I don't know but it just seems to me like they're kind of trying to regulate the wrong thing again like I understand where they're coming from I just feel like there must be a better way than by raising the age in which to purchase yeah there's definitely other things that could be done but given how strongly rooted tobacco companies are in the U.S. market like I feel like it's really hard. It's like even this would have been really hard to pull off. So, I mean, like, I guess they don't have as much power as they did, like, before. Like, even as close back as, like, the 90s or, like, the early 2000s. But, yeah, they're definitely losing power. But I feel like it's it's still, it was still a hard thing to do to erase this, the smoking age and to have everyone on board or, like, enough people on board to have it pass in Congress. That's a really good point. So maybe it's kind of like, it's a step forward-ish in that they were able to get something passed and maybe moving forward, they'll be able to make other decisions around tobacco as well. Yep. Hmm, okay. Literally. Zebra. Peloton. (laughs) All right, and on to our next segment. So there is a fashion company called Moschino and it's spelled M-O-S-C-H-I-N-O. And they just debuted their latest collection, which is way ridiculously oversized clothing. And I'm going to show Amber a picture of what it looks like. Oh, my gosh. And it literally looks like... Imagine, like, the people are doll-sized, and then... The clothes are clothes are actual size. Or you just picture like a five year old child wearing like a twenty five year old's jacket. Yeah, that's um, probably a better analogy. If anyone is familiar with that Johnny Depp meme where he's walking down the street wearing a scarf that's like the size of him, that's what this fashion is. That is crazy. Yeah, and apparently they're trying to make this a thing, or I guess it's like a concept. But either way, I think it looks really, really ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've seen those coats before. Like there was a trend with like sleeping bag coats or something. Yes, I saw that. I think Maybe was, you were the one to show me. But. I think it was like Abercrombie or something like that. But we'll include a link in the description so that you guys can check it out for yourselves. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous and just very unpractical. Like, I, okay, whatever. Yeah, there's like a hat. There's like a woman wearing a like a baseball cap, but the baseball cap is like I don't know, like it looks like it could fit over like a major league baseball helmet. Is like, how it's big even bigger the hat than that. Is. I think it could fit over like a football helmet. Yeah, and like, she's just wearing it on her head. 
as if her head is the helmet that could support that hat. I don't know. Very weird. Yeah. I don't understand fashion. But anyways, you guys can check it out for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Um, all right. So speaking of fashion, I saw an article which immediately like caught my eye because it was called Women's Pocket Equality. And I was like, oh my gosh, pocket equality. So the article itself kind of just dove into the history of like women's pockets and why women don't have normal size pockets on their pants. Um, so it was kind of interesting because they talked about how, gosh, in the 1600s, it looks like the women, they would wear pockets on a belt around their waist, which was usually beneath their skirts kind of like a stealth fanny pack. And then they would access the pockets through um, like a hole in their dress, in the outer layer of their dress. And then towards the end of the 1700s, women's storage options shifted from pockets to purses because the pockets would ruin the silhouettes of the dress. And then it kind of goes on to talk about like how pockets have just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Talks about pockets, which is the fake pocket super annoying. Um, and then it kind of talked about like, oh, there's a conspiracy theory that forces women to buy handbags or rely on men to carry their things. And I'm like, I feel like I'm not big on conspiracy theories, but this one I totally get because I cannot stand it when I wear a pair of pants and literally all I can fit in it is a pair, a pair, a like tube of chapstick. And it's really frustrating because I was thinking and I'm like, men can fit their wallets in their pants. Men's wallets are so much smaller than women's wallets. My wallet's huge. Even if I had man-sized pockets in my pants, my woman wallet would still not fit in the pocket. It's just all this frustration. Why are women being forced to buy things, to carry around things? Like literally all I want to be able to take with me without carrying a purse is like, I'd like to wear my sunglasses. I'd like to bring my chapstick, my license, a credit card, my car keys. But I have to bring a purse because not all of that can fit in my pockets. Oh, that's so annoying. I literally walk out the door. Literally. I literally walk out the door. <laughs> so Amber's going to call me out every time I pronounce something weird now. So if you hear a little whisper in the background, that's going to be her correcting me. So I literally walk out the door with a little wallet it's like it only fits like some cards maybe a few bills but it's a, it's no bigger than the size of a credit card and yeah i just this is my whole wallet and it's so easy to like just carry around if it's in any of my pockets and it's the most convenient thing in the world yeah i'm very envious so anyway it was just kind of interesting and it was cool because there was actually an article on um Outside Magazine, which is a very, like, outdoor enthusiast adventure-type magazine. Um, and the writer of the article was the gear tester, and she said that she declines, um, not invites, but she declines offers from companies saying, test our gear. Her first question she asks is, does it have pockets? And if they say no, uh, she doesn't test the gear. So I was like, yes, woman power. She's awesome. Also, the conspiracy doesn't that conspiracy theory doesn't really check out because if it forces men to carry women's stuff for them, that's like more work on men. Like, I don't want to carry your stuff. Like just carry your own stuff. Get a purse. So half the conspiracy <laughs> theory checks out. Yeah. yeah. And it's men probably designing all these stupid things for women. Probably. Cause they want to see a woman's silhouette. 
super annoying. Jerk men? Let us wear stuff that's functional. Uh, even if it's not fashionable. Gosh. Let women have nice things. In our pockets. Nice practical things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next item. All right. So the next item is going to be... A break. Yes. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. Okay. So next agenda item irritates me so much. Okay. Um, it's about Flipped, which in case you haven't heard of it, is a new restaurant concept by IHOP. It's a fast, casual dining. Um, the first location is set to be in Atlanta. Um, flipped locations are going to have limited seating. It's designed for people to drop in, pick up their food and go. Customers can also order online or cater meals through Flipped. And the restaurant is going to sell espresso drinks, fresh squeezed orange juice, um, it's going to have IHOP-inspired items like pancake bowls, egg sandwiches, breakfast burritos, crispy chicken sandwiches, to-go salads, and more. Um, again, the food is designed to be eaten like on the go. So in reading about it, it said it was the brand's attempt to break into a new category, fast casual breakfast, those quotation marks, um, so that they can reach customers in dense urban areas because they're basically saying that IHOP restaurants require a lot of seating and a lot of space that urban areas don't have. Um, they were also saying that it's kind of going to be in competition to Wendy's, which has recently announced that they're going to start serving breakfast nationally next year. Um, Duncan has recently rolled out their Beyond Meat breakfast sandwich, and then McDonald's and Panera and others have made a play for breakfast customers. Um, and then Jay Johns, who's the president of IHOP, he said that Flipped can attract customers who find themselves picking up breakfast from coffee shops, even if they're not particularly enticed by the food options. He said the reason for the visit was the coffee, and they basically settled for whatever food they happen to have at their coffee shop. We're flipping that on its head. Hmm. Guess that's where Flipped came from. <sighs> it's so funny. Okay. So I'm irritated because A... If you're going to a coffee shop for the coffee, you're probably not going to care what the breakfast tastes like. Because if your priority is the coffee, that's what you're going to care about. I don't know. Maybe that's just my opinion because I love coffee now. And I'm like, I'll go to Starbucks and get, I was in Starbucks last week in Vegas. And I just had like a spinach and egg wrap for breakfast because that was what they had. They had other options like banana bread and a lot of other like muffins and stuff I didn't want. But I was like, this wrap is perfectly fine. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by getting this wrap that's available here. Um, what really bothers me too is also recently this past week, CNN shared news of a study showing that half of America is going to be obese in 10 years with one in four Americans being severely obese. And I'm like, this flipped idea does not help that. Um, so the study that CNN referenced, it said one reason in the rise of obesity, which, hello, it's been on the rise for like the past 25 years, um, is the rise of sugar-sweetened beverages and ultra-processed foods. Um, they also said the price of food because unhealthy fast food choices has fallen in America when you adjust for inflation. Again, flipped. I'm sure their food's going to be cheap. Um, so within the study... Aviva Must, which that's a person's name. Um, she's Tufts, Tufts University's Public Health and Community Medicine. 
oh, chair of it. Um, she said it probably will take lots of federal, state, and local policy interventions and regulations to have a big impact in terms of solving the obesity crisis. She said we can't rely on an individual behavior change in an environment that's so obesity promoting. Oh my gosh. And like that last sentence about an environment being so obesity promoting, like, again, that's exactly what flipped is. And I'm not hitting 100% on flipped. It really is basically everything else. Like you don't need, if obesity is such a big problem, uh, I just, opening this flipped is not going to help anything. But also having Dunkin' open for breakfast, having Wendy's open for breakfast, having McDonald's open for breakfast doesn't solve it either. And it's like continuing to allow these places to open and serve breakfast to customers that's A, super cheap, B, not at all healthy. I'm sorry, a pancake bowl? A pancake bowl. I love pancakes, but I do not need one for breakfast every day. Once in a very long time. And I'm not going to IHOP to get it. What are your thoughts, Paul? I have conflicting thoughts because I do agree that we don't need another fast food option. We have so many already and they all serve breakfast now. Like that was like a fad that was coming about. Like I feel like earlier this year, um, I feel like a lot of places just, even McDonald's, like they started serving breakfast all day because everyone loves their hash browns and stuff. So yeah, we have enough fast food breakfast options. That's not like a niche that's going to be filled all of a sudden because this new place opens up. Um, but on the other hand, and I also agree, like obesity is a major problem. I saw that article too. And, you know, like there's so many cheap, fast, convenient options for food, but they're all really unhealthy for you. Like they should only be used as like a treat or like you know every once in a while if you're too lazy to make food or you're like you're really tired like every once in a while but a lot of people in america just use that as like a regular meal option so you know that just adds to like it makes it so much easier to become obese on the other hand breakfast is my absolute favorite food like any kind of breakfast food and I love any option that opens up. And if Flipped opens up, I'll probably shop there all the time. Because oh, I feel like you just negated everything you said by because, saying you're willing to be a customer. Because I'm a weak-minded person who can't resist the lure of cheap... Oh, we'll see if it's delicious or not. But I really like breakfast food. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, but not sorry. I mean, we all have our weaknesses. I get it. Yours is fried chicken. But at least I exercise. Those other Americans don't even exercise. I so. know, but I, I'm not calling you obese. Paul's completely normal-sized, everyone. She's calling me obese. <laughs> she looked at me every <laughs> what I'm time saying she said obese. <laughs> everything you purchase with your dollars is a way of voting. And if you go there, you're saying, I support you as a business flip. I'm saying that I like breakfast. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just very disappointed. They like so many things need to happen to change this whole trend in obesity. And it's just, it's not happening. It's very frustrating. All right. And so we are on to our last agenda topic and I wanted to end it on a somewhat happy note. So this is a heartwarming story of, 
some parents who take their daughter to the car dealership. This one happened to be an Audi dealership in China. And the daughter decided to draw on some of the cars using a rock. So <laughs> the parents were left with a bill that amounted to about $28,000. That was the original amount. And the dealer was like, we won't be able to sell these cars as new anymore. And we'll have to repaint all the cars. And eventually, like, I think at the end of it, they settled on just $10,000. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice heartwarming story of, you know, your typical father-daughter car shopping experience. Just kidding. This is <laughs> such a ridiculous story. <laughs> I was actually really expecting a heartwarming story. And the daughter was three years old. Were they not watching her? Which I guess that's the whole gist of the story is clearly they were not watching her. Literally, though, when you said this was heartwarming, I kept waiting for the story to turn around to be like, and then the bill was $28,000. But then they forgave it and they gave her, I don't know, a unicorn. I was like waiting for something to happen. And you were like... So they just left with the $10,000 bill. And I was like, oh, that was not heartwarming at all. They were like, oh, she's so cute. We'll just lower it to $10,000. You guys are good. Oh, my gosh. But, man, imagine if you were those parents, how livid you would be. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's Uh, like, okay, it's like you can't even argue it. It's like 100% your fault. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like, and like you'd be livid, but I like I'd also be really pissed at myself or my spouse, being like, "Whose job was it to watch Little Sally?" Not my fault. It's your fault. I'd be shouting at them. But thankfully, this is an issue that I'll never have to deal with because I'll never have a kid who will scratch up ten thousand dollars worth of cars. Also, you'd probably just never take a kid to an Audi dealership because why are you going to bring your toddler? I guess it'd be a lot of work to get a babysitter. There's just so many other ways this story could have not happened. And I think they weren't, it wasn't even like they were shopping for their own car. They were, I think they went with a friend. So like the couple went with one of their friends and it's the friend who was buying a car. So like, it's not like, so it's not like they were so preoccupied with buying the car themselves. Oh my gosh. So that just makes it a million times worse. Oh, that'd be like if you accompanied your friend, I don't know, anywhere. And then you suddenly got like this insanely high parking ticket or something. And you're like, but I just came along to be your moral support. And now I have to pay (laughs) all of this money out of pocket. Oh, well, I wish we could have ended on a happier note, like the fun little eel. Yeah, that I one thought time. that was like kind of tongue in cheek, kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can all just be really thankful that we don't have a three-year-old running around scratching up brand new cars that we just shell out money for. Exactly. Um. Well, guys, have a happy, I was going to say happy holidays, but also Merry Christmas. And then I got confused because I was going to say happy Christmas, which I guess is a John Lennon song. <sighs> Happy holidays. (laughs) Yes. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, And we'll be back before the new year. Bye, Bye, guys. Hey, Siri, read my last message. Your message says, hey, Siri, read my last message. Oh, my God. Okay. I won't send it.